there, I'm Clarence Waldron. Welcome back to Black Muse. Before we get started with tonight's guest, I have a full disclaimer that I've got to make. Margina is a friend of mine, and I know that I taught my students at Medill School of Journalism, never interview your friends. But if you know the rules, you can break the rules. So we're gonna break the rules tonight. Margina is a friend from Jet Magazine days. She went on to write for Ebony, Ebony Man, Ebony South Africa, never one to sort of slow down. She always keeps it moving. And she went on to write this great book, great book about John Johnson Empire, the house that John H. Johnson built. Extraordinary book, extraordinary book. And then again, she's also keeping moving. She's a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago. She's done a lot of things, and we can't get to all of them, but we're going to try our best. So please welcome Dr. Christian. Hey. How, how are, are you? you? Oh, baby, I can't believe that you're here. Thank I you so much for having me uh, because this is a, we have reunited, but you, you, <laughs> and I are back, back together, together again. again. Got the world in a, in a spin. spin. Y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start at the very top. How did you get that great job at Johnson Publishing years ago? Well, I got that position. I, uh, I was in St. Louis at the time. I was a uh, language arts teacher, uh, but I was always writing, and I had an entertainment column in St. Louis, and I felt like I had reached the pinnacle of, of where I could go. And so I saw a 50th anniversary issue of Ebony at the time, and what I wanted uh, was to, to actually work for Ebony. Uh, and I mm. saw an interview with Linda Johnson Rice where she said she was always looking for young, uh, upcoming talent, and I thought, well, maybe I should write to her. And then at that same time, I had another friend who knew somebody at Jet Magazine who was, unbeknownst to me, about to leave. Uh, long story short, uh, I reached out to Ebony at the time Lerone Bennett Jr. was out, uh, uh, something was going on. So Linda uh, got the FedEx package and I was called in for an interview. Mm. And I mentioned uh, that I wanted to write for Ebony, but Mr. Johnson also came into the interview and basically took over. Uh, so <laughs> Linda was just kind of sitting there quiet with her hands folded like this. And he was just like sitting. Um, and so he said, well, because you like entertainment, uh, I think that you'd be able to get to more people and do more of what you really want if you were with Jet as a opposed to Ebony. So I think that Jet would be a better fit for you at this time. And of course, he made the right decision and the rest was history. I was at Jet Magazine starting out as assistant editor, then associate editor. Uh, so I started in 1995 mm -hmm. and by 2009, that is when I left and made the transition to Ebony. But when I left Jet, I was features editor. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's how I got okay. to Johnson got Publishing Company in 95. Yeah. Uh, look back at that time. What did you like most about writing about stars and all that kind of stuff? Well, I had been writing about celebrities in St. Louis, mm -hmm. and but I was doing it at a different level. And what I knew at this point was that my work wasn't local anymore. My work was national. Mm. And people all around the world every week read Jet Magazine. Sure and so for me, I love the excitement that each and every day we were doing something new and different. Every day there was a celebrity coming in the front door, another one leaving out the back door, and then you had them on your phone, and then you were at your cubicle and you saw somebody walking by you never could predict um, and I just enjoyed that that freedom and 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 just not knowing was exciting because every day was a moment at Johnson Publishing Company especially with Jet Magazine right right did you realize that you were writing history that you were recording history did you think that at the time no no I, I was doing what I loved Mm. which was simply writing, and and I've always been a lover of entertainment, uh, music, movies, film, all of those things, and to write about it for me was just a joy. But I, the magnitude of what I was doing didn't hit me, that this is history you're documenting, yeah. and that you're a part of this history, and that so many people would recognize this. At that time, it, you know, I was just going with the flow, as they would say. And when you stop to think about Mr. Johnson today, what do you think about? What do you think about Mr. Johnson? What comes to mind? Well, first of all, there are uh, four people that I think of every day of my life. Mm. And they've all made their transition. Oof. My mother, mm. my father, mm. John H. Johnson, and Prince Rogers Nelson. Mm. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about all four of them. Mm. And when I think about John H. Johnson, mm. I think mm. about strength. Mm. I think about uh, his loyalty to his employees. I think about uh, the love he had for his race. He was proud to be black. He was in so many African American organizations. He was a uh, he was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. He was a member of the Masons. Uh, his wife Eunice W. Johnson was also a part of organizations. She was a member of Delta Sigma Theta. Uh, they gave back to African Americans in education. His power, mm -hmm. his strength, his resilience, his love for self and his people. I think about that every day. Wow. And his respect for me yeah. and what I did. He respected wow. me. Wow. And he respected those who worked for him. And that says a lot. Right. That says right. a lot. Right. Now, you wanted to keep it moving, as I said before. This um, book, Empire, the house that John H. Johnson built. Tell me about that. Where did that come from? Why did you want to write about the Johnson Publishing Company? Well, interestingly enough, I had no interest in writing about the Johnson Publishing Company. I uh, had always been an adjunct, uh, you know, at 
City Colleges of Chicago throughout my tenure at Johnson Publishing. I started teaching English in 97. I came to Johnson in 95. So I knew that as there were transitions taking, in pla taking place within the company, uh, I saw a lot of things happening. And everyone who worked under the leadership of John H. Johnson was no more. So I knew it wasn't a matter of if they were going to get rid of me, it was a matter of when. And so I had to be ready for my next act. And at the collegiate level, to have a doctorate puts you where you need to be. So I got in my Fannie Lou Hamer moment, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired of being afraid and fearful. And so I empowered myself by getting a doctorate. And it was a wonderful distraction. And from there, I stumbled upon, why not do research with the history that's taking place? I was there when I started to see things happen after his death in 2005. And you and I know the difficulty of that. And so what better way than to document history? That was my first real moment of realizing mm. I'm a part of history and I can document history and I can shape what people think about this man, his message. And that's how it came about. Wow. And I started wow. in 2010. Okay. By okay. 2013, I was walking across that stage. And as a matter of fact, in June of this year, 10 years, I will be Dr. Margina A. Christian. All right now. All right now. Yes. All right now. All right. Now, you're also working on an, another book. The Motown songwriter, Sylvia Moy. Yes. What can you tell us? I know you can't say much, but what can you tell us about it? When might it be published or anything like that? Well, I, the book, uh, the proposal and all of that good stuff was picked up by Hachette, one of the big five. Oh, I know. And it. I am delighted to tell the story of yet another hidden figure in Hitsville history. She will no longer be standing in the shadows. It's time for Sylvia Moy to take center stage. Ooh, and so yo. this story documents Sylvia Rose Moy, who made history as Motown's first female in-house songwriter and producer to write simultaneously, consistently, and consecutively alongside the men. She was also instrumental in helping to save the career of a young teen, Stevie Wonder. Mm. He had some flops after fingertips, which was recorded here in Chicago at the area, uh, you know, uh, uh, no, Regal Theater, Regal, Regal Theater. And after three years, what's left? And she stepped up to the plate. And that story shows the power of having someone believe in you and someone to speak in your name. And that is what she did. And from there, the hits kept coming. Uptight, I was made to love her. My Sharia Moore with the uh, child song. On and ooh. on, this old heart of mine, it takes mm. two. This woman mm. needs to be known. And she will be. And it's going to come out. Hachette, spring of twenty. 25. Okay. I'm right excited. Now. I am excited. I'm sure. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. God. Now, you know we lost uh, Tina Turner. Well, it was yesterday. I'll just say this week. Whew. 
Yeah. We, we all are broke down behind that. But um, you had a connection with her. How will you remember Tina Turner? Uh, well, I spent all day yesterday crying uh, uh, because mm. I had a connection with not only Tina, but also Ike and also their only child, Ronnie. And Ronnie died last year. Uh, and Ike died a few years ago. I wrote a story called The Last Days of Ike Turner. Yeah. And the, oh, uh, that was in 2008 for Ebony Magazine. That was the only interview that Tina ever allowed her son to do. She gave him the approval. So Ronnie Turner only did an interview with me about his father. And it touched me because she read the story and she liked the story. So when it came time for her documentary, um, they knew that I did like some of the last stories about Ike Turner's life. Um, mm -hmm. The last interview he did before he died uh, for Jet Magazine and I carefully documented the journey. So they reached out because I told them that when we interviewed, he, he said he wrote a letter of apology to her, but he just never said, he said he didn't have the courage to send it. And so I saw this man, I talked to their child, and I also knew that Tina forgave him earlier, well before the world ever did. Mm. And that's all that mattered. And so for me, that was touching because when I saw her love letter, her final documentary, and I cried because it was so beautiful, because at the end she found love and she found happiness. But then to see my name in special thanks was like the icing on the cake. So I had a connection with all three of them. And we, that St. Louis connection, so it touched me in that way. Um, but Tina was simply the best. And I adored uh, Ronnie and Miss Aileen, her sister, that was my girl. After we did the interview for Ebony, we stayed in touch. We would just talk about St. Louis and she would tell me in her raspy voice, girl, you gotta meet my friend. She is really doing good. She is doing good. She has a restaurant in St. Louis. And her friend was Robbie Montgomery. Yes. And this was well before she did a TV show. So she never lived to see that TV show. So whenever Tina had a celebration, I always thought if Miss Aileen could see it, and when Miss Robbie did so well, if Miss Aileen could see it. So, uh, yeah, yes. Cool, cool. Now your education has served you well. We talked about your, your doctorate, but speak to the uh, younger audience. Tell them more about the power of education and how it can transform lives. Well, education is transformative. Um, it, it's it's self-liberatory because the more you know, the more it empowers you. Now, I am a senior lecturer in English at the University of Illinois at Chicago. I also helped to develop and design the university's first professional writing program. Writing is cathartic. Writing is powerful. Telling stories. So I teach students that 
you can change and transform not only your life but others life through education and so we started out initially having students who were only English majors, uh, but now we have students who are multi-majors in the sciences, um, uh, it, who just love to write. And so education is a portal to a, a bigger world, uh, to so much more. And I knew I needed more education because I wanted to be in higher ed. And so that was something that was a no-brainer for me. So I saw where I wanted to be where I was. And so I would encourage young people to take advantage and learn as much as possible. If it starts with an associate, fine. Then go get the bachelor's if that's what you want to do. If you need to take a gap year. But keep going. Keep going. Never stop learning. And for those who enjoy writing, I say write on. Oh, right now. Right on. I love it. Yes. I love it. I love it. Now, just describe your students at University of Illinois. What kind of kids are they? Well, they're not kids. Well, they? well I, 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 it, I call them kids, uh, but uh, young adults. And I would say that uh, they, a lot of them are first-generation students oh. where they are doing something that no one else in the family was uh, able to do or managed to do. So I see the hopes and dreams. Um, I have uh, students who are fresh out of uh, high school. I have returning students. I have students who, you know, are coming for uh, a, a second degree. I just have a combination and they're all wonderful. I, I teach not only in the English department, but also I'm a part of the Honors College. So I have a lot of students there who are, mm. like I said, in the sciences, you know, um, and, you know, math and accounting. A, a lot of STEM students are in the Honors Colleges. And so I'm just fortunate to be able to share what I learned, uh, to teach them about African Americans and the media, and to also show them that people like me exist. Uh, because if you don't see it, you don't believe it. Some of them said, Dr. Christian, you were the first African American professor I had during my time at UIC. So mm. for me, that's an honor. And at every graduation, I make it a point for me to put on my cape which is my robe and my doctoral tam, and to walk in that commencement because somewhere I want somebody to see someone who looks like me and to yeah. know that we are out here and that we do exist. Wow, powerful, powerful, powerful. Now, you've done so much, here I go again, but now you have a fellowship from the History Makers presented by Juliana Richardson. Tell me about that. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, um, last year I was very fortunate. I applied for two fellowships and got both of them. Uh -oh. So I had to complete <laughs> okay. two fellowships while also teaching full time. Uh, and so the fellowship with the History Makers, uh, a, a part of the uh, innovations in teaching. Uh, and so that was based upon a class that I developed in the Honors College. Uh, I did writing about, Af say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, writing about African Americans in the media. Mm. So with mm. UIC being subscribers to the History Maker database, what better way than to be able to use it? So that's how I ended up getting that uh, 
fellowship, and then I got another fellowship. You you know I'm a writer. Come on, come so on now. The, come on the, now. Uh, Public Fellows Op-Ed, sponsored by the Illinois uh, Illinois system. Um, yes. And so I uh, made history with that because the program is for tenured professors, and I am a senior lecturer. So I was a part of that and finishing that up now and completed two op-eds. So that Public Voices op-ed, uh, the two together was amazing. And Juliana Richardson's uh, history makers uh, documents history and I remembered helping document her history when she started the history makers and you remember that as well so it was a really beautiful full circle moment to be a part of that absolutely yes absolutely yes. you know I can't believe the time is gone already because I'm, I'm done with my questions oh, but yes. but but before you go away this is the the uh, video podcast black news Looking back, and you may maybe you've said it already, but say it again. Who inspired you? Who inspired you? Your parents you said that. My, my my parents inspire me. That's a that's a given. Yeah. Uh, but someone who inspired me. There were two people in terms of journalism. The first person was my mentor when I was just a sophomore in high school, uh, in St. Louis, and it was the late George E. Curry. Yep. Uh, and he. Hmm. He was my mentor, and he encouraged me, if you like to write about entertainment, you do it. And he was a hardcore journalist, but he never frowned upon my what I wanted to do. Uh, and then the other person was John H. Johnson. Uh, mm. I, I learned from strong men, uh, and I learned from the best. Uh, so what more can I say? He, he taught me so much, uh, and I learned uh, about publishing as well when I had to end up doing it myself. It helped me. I always respected John H. Johnson, but my respect for him was just tenfold after walking in his shoes as a publisher and seeing what he did. Uh, and it was an honor and a privilege to be able to share his story and and what he did and to document that in education mm. in the canons right. <laughs> of education all right now so all right anything else you would like to share uh in the words of Della Reese, no dear <laughs> that is all <laughs> and that is all y'all that is all please like and subscribe black news Please like and subscribe, and that is all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you y'all.